0: Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, we again discover the blessings of approaching the throne of grace.
1: Are you coming regularly to the throne of grace? I mean, could you imagine anything greater than the king of the universe saying, you can come and sit in my lap and talk to me about anything and have permission to speak and know that I have grace for you to forgive, to help, to cleanse, to strengthen, in your time of failure, in your time of need, and we don't come. How foolish is that? Are you coming regularly to the throne of grace? If not, why not? And if not, why not start today? He can
0: heal every scar. Thank you for joining us today for From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Have you ever done something that you just knew you shouldn't do? Of course you have. We all have. And then, just as predictable, we feel tremendous guilt and begin to think that God will never forgive us for that. Or worse, we can never come to God again because of what we did. Where do we go during those times of temptation, struggle, and failure? Pastor Jeff has the answer today on a message entitled, The Throne of Grace. And it's from his brand new seven-message series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. It's also our thank you gift to you for your support to From His Heart this month of any amount. You can get it in the format of your choice. Just go to fromhisheart.org for details. If you can now, turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4 to learn how to resist temptation by approaching the throne of grace. Here again is Pastor Jeff Shreve.
1: Hebrews chapter 4, such a great passage of scripture. Hebrews was written by uh, an unnamed author. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. I love what Walter Martin says about Hebrews. It says, the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to other Hebrews, telling the Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. (laughs) It's talking to Jews, Jews who were true believers in one camp and intellectual believers but never really trusted Christ in another camp. And the third camp was those who were investigating Jesus. And this is what he says in chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need three insights from these three verses that are so encouraging, that are so helpful, that have helped me, and I trust they will help you. Insight number one, our great high priest has paved the way for us. He has paved the way for us. Since then, verse 14, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, this is a Jewish book written to Jews They knew about the sacrificial system, they knew about the high priest. And the chief priest, the high priest, would go into the temple one time a year and he'd go past the outer court, into the inner court, into the innermost court. And he would offer sacrifices for for the people on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. That was the only time he went in there and he went in there quickly to do what he needed to do, and he got out. You say, why is that? Because in the holy of holies, that's where the Shekinah glory of God, where the presence of God was. And you just don't come into the presence of God anytime you want to in the Old Testament system because God was showing to the people, I am holy. The Jews knew these Hebrews that he's writing to, they knew about that. He says, Jesus is not just a high priest. He's a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He's the greatest high priest. He's greater than any Aaron. He's greater greater than any Melchizedek. He's greater than any angel. He is the great high priest. And what has he done? He has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Jesus became our high priest through the blood of his cross And the power of his resurrection. And what did he do when he ascended to heaven? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. No priest ever did that. No high priest ever sat down. You didn't, there's no chair in the holy place or in the Holy of Holies. Definitely not in the Holy of Holies. So he sat down because his work was finished. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. That's to lest I paid in full, I paid it all. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And Jesus lives to make intercession for us. And Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to make intercession for them. He's interceding for you and for me. Our great high priest has paved the way for us. Second insight Our great high priest has sympathy for us. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He can lay his hand upon God's throne because he is God. He can lay his hand upon Job and sinners because he was made like us. He's human. He's both. And he can understand and relate to our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to have physical weakness, to have emotional weakness. We struggle, we have weaknesses physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He feels for you in your weaknesses, and he knows exactly what it's like to be tempted. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Every temptation you've experienced, he experienced. Now, important to remember, this does not mean that every particular temptation you've ever experienced, he experienced that personally. It, when the Bible talks about tempted in all things as we are, he's talking about categories of temptation. See, the devil really doesn't have that many bullets in his gun. The Bible just mentions three. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. For if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Those three areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. That's where all temptation comes from. What do we see in Genesis chapter 3 with Eve? The devil deceived her and got her to fixate on the forbidden. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise, the boastful pride of life, she took from the tree and ate and gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What do we see in the New Testament? Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is uh, baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days, and then he's tempted by the devil. First temptation, lust of the flesh. Hey, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Surely you're hungry, Jesus. You've been fasting for 40 days. Prove that you're the son of God. Command these stones to become bread, the lust of the flesh. Jesus answered, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil takes him to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in just a moment. And he said, All these have been given to me, and I will give them to you if you will just bow down and worship me. What is that temptation? The lust of the eyes. See, the lust of the flesh is is the lust for for sex, the lust for laziness, the lust for selfishness, the lust for gluttony. It's what's going to make my flesh feel good. The lust of the eyes is the lust of greed, wanting more and more and more. All these kingdoms are mine. I'll give them to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He he just keeps quoting scripture back to the devil. And then the last temptation, the boastful pride of life, the devil takes him to the top of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, cast yourself off for it is written, Psalm 91, he shall give his angels charge concerning you And they will bear you up lest you strike your foot and dash your foot against a stone. Oh, Jesus, it will be so cool. You will wow the crowd. Everybody will follow you if you just do three or four backflips off of the top of the temple and land on your feet and everything will be great. And Jesus answered and said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He was tempted in every area that you're tempted in that I'm tempted in yet without sin and the Bible says he's he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted because he knows what it's like to be tempted remember this God the father can't be tempted with evil it makes that clear in James chapter one but God the son can become a man and put on human flesh and he can be tempted Just like you're tempted, just like I'm tempted. Here's the difference. Jesus was tempted and never sinned. Jesus took temptation to the very top of the temptation scale and never sinned. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, for you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, began to sweat blood in his striving against sin sin. He took temptation to the nth degree. Jesus took the full load from the devil. The very most that he could give the Lord Jesus in terms of temptation. And he resisted even to the point of shedding blood. He knows what it's like to be tempted better than you know what it's like to be tempted and he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize and commiserate and have fellow feelings about your weaknesses, my weaknesses, our weaknesses, our temptations, our struggles. He knows and he cares. Our great high priest has paved the way for us. Our great high priest has sympathy for us. And insight number three, our great high priest has made a throne of grace for us. A throne of grace for you and for me. Verse 16 is such a great verse. Because we have this great high priest who has made a sacrifice and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and has gone through the heavens and he feels for us and has compassion and sympathy and knows what it's like to be tempted, says in verse 16, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, we can come to God with confidence because of Jesus. Confidence because of Jesus. We don't come on our merits. Your merit, my merit, the apostle Paul's merit, the writer of Hebrews merits. We don't come uh, based on how good we are because we're not. Our righteous deeds are as a filthy rag before God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We come based on what Jesus did, based on his merits. See, Ephesians 1.6 says that we are accepted in the beloved. And the beloved is Jesus. And when we accept Jesus, he accepts us, and then we're accepted in him. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Why did God forgive me for Christ's sake? Because he accepted what Jesus did on the cross. He put an exclamation point on it when he raised him from the dead. That paid, that was the propitiation for our sins. That was the satisfaction, the forgiveness for our sins, what Jesus did on the cross and through his empty tomb. And anybody who comes to Jesus in repentance and faith, they're placed into Jesus. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you, he sees his own son. And if you're struggling with sin, as we all struggle with sin, you can come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace, knowing that the Lord will receive you because in Jesus, you're accepted in the blood. See, we have confidence in the fact that we're going to be accepted. Jesus said, the one who comes to me will by no means be cast out. I won't throw you out if you come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says, So if you're weary and heavy-laden and beaten down and broken down, you can come to the Lord. The prostitute in Luke 7 could come to the Lord and weep at his feet. And he says, your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, Simon the Pharisee, this is a story in Luke 7, he sees that and he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He wouldn't let her touch him. She is an immoral woman. She's a prostitute. I mean, you don't, as a prophet, you don't let a woman like that touch you. She was coming with a broken heart. She was coming repentantly to the Lord. And what does he have for repentant sinners? Grace, that's what he has, mercy and grace. And so we can come with confidence that he's not gonna throw us out. And we can come with confidence to share our hearts with him. See, the word confidence means frankness. It means boldness to speak. Have you ever seen a movie where it's a military movie and that some, some superiors talking to an inferior in the military and uh, the inferior will say to the superior, permission to speak, sir. Permission granted. That means I can speak freely. It's kind of off the record. You're letting me as a subordinate talk to you freely. Well, the Lord says that at the throne, permission to speak. Share your heart with me. Always do it in reverence. Always do it in respect. You're talking to God, but you can share your heart with him. I had the great privilege last week of uh, recording a program that we're gonna air this Friday on the radio with Johnny Erickson Tada. You've heard me share that she's one of my heroes in the faith and so sweet. But you know, one of the things that came out as I was talking to Johnny Erickson, she has such a deep and abiding walk with the Lord because of her suffering, because of her quadriplegia. She's been a quadriplegic now for 55 years. And she talked about how she had to deal with that from, you know, as a 17-year-old girl. She said, for two years, I was mad at God, bitter at God. I was biting everybody's head, heads off that tried to help me. She said, I didn't understand why God allowed this to come into my life. And she said, I st- began to alienate myself and began to get in a very dark place. And she said, I knew that wasn't right. She said, I began to read the New Testament. She said, my sister would put me in a chair. I'd have this uh, pencil in my mouth or this, uh, this uh, thing that she could turn pages, you know, she can't move from her shoulders down. And she would start reading in the New Testament And she would share her heart with God. And she said, Lord, I can't do quadriplegia. You've given me this. I can't do anything with this. I'm just mad. I'm just bitter. I'm just angry. So you're going to have to help me because I can't do it. And she talks to God just so openly, so frankly. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He's a safe place. Psalm 62, verse 8. You can share your heart with God. And when you do, you draw near to God. We can come to God with confidence because of Jesus, and we can come to God and receive mercy and more grace. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Oh, I need mercy, especially when I fail. And we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. David in Psalm 51 after he sinned with Bathsheba, after he had her husband Uriah the Kittite killed, such terrible, horrible sins. And he comes before the Lord. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Be gracious, gracious, be merciful to me, O God. He needed God's mercy. He needed God's grace. You need it. I need it. We need it. God's mercy and grace. And God sits on a throne of grace. And the Bible says of Jesus, of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. God is the God of all grace. He has an inexhaustible supply of grace. And we say grace is the unmerited favor of God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he gives it to you anyway. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the desire, one definition too. It's the desire and the power to live for the Lord. Remember what we said, grace is big. It's like grabbing onto orca. You can't do it, it's just so massive. But it's the desire and the power, one definition, to live for the Lord. And so when we blow it, we come before the Lord and we come before his throne of grace. He doesn't sit on a throne of judgment for his children. He doesn't sit on a throne of condemnation. For his children, he doesn't sit on a throne of disgust for his children. He doesn't sit on a throne of termination for his children. That's it. You're done. Get out of here. I've forgiven you for that sin. Now this is the 500th time. That's it. 70 times seven, 490. You're done. Uh, that's that's all. No, it's the throne of grace, and he's the God of all grace, and grace is an inexhaustible supply. That's the throne that the Lord sits on for his children. And we can draw near with confidence to that throne. Beyond amazing that I could come into the presence of God. The high priest only come in there one time a year. He came with fear and trepidation and he didn't stay long and now there's no more veil and the Lord says, come and come early and come often and come as long and stay as long as you want in my presence and marinate in my presence. I'm a God who loves you. I understand what you're going through. I care about you. I have mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. So let me ask you this question. Are you coming regularly to the throne of grace? Now, if not, why not? I mean, could you imagine anything greater than the king of the universe saying, you can come and sit in my lap and talk to me about anything and have permission to speak and know that I have grace for you to forgive, to help, to cleanse, to strengthen? in your time of failure, in your time of need, and we don't come. How foolish is that? Some of you, you're looking for help in all the wrong places. You're going to this person, that person, and the other person, and the king of the universe says, come to me. Come to me. Are you coming regularly to the throne of grace? If not, why not? And if not, why not start today?
0: If you've ever been neglecting coming to that magnificent throne of grace that Jesus has granted you access to, why not take a moment right now, quiet your heart, and surrender to Him today. Say, God, here's my life. Jesus, I sincerely come to you. Take over my life as I strive to live for you every day. Thank you for making me a new person, and I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if that is the prayer of your sincere heart, if you felt those words sincerely in your heart, you are now a child of God. We hope you'll find a Bible-believing church. Tell your Christian friends who will support you and help you grow. And go to promiseheart.org. Click the Why Jesus link there on our homepage to get you some free resources to help you in your new Christian journey. God bless you. There is amazing grace awaiting those who know and trust God. And this month, Pastor Jeff is offering a brand new seven-message series entitled Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God for your gift of support to the media outreach of From His Heart, from which Pastor Jeff receives no income from this ministry. He is our chief volunteer. The series is available on USB, CDs, DVDs, or digital download. Your choice when you make a gift today of any amount. Simply call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE go online to fromhisheart.org. And thank you for joining us to share the news about God's grace and mercy through From His Heart. When you do go online, we hope you'll sign up to receive Pastor Jeff Shreve's weekly Real Hope email encouragement letter. You'll get it every Friday morning in your inbox, and it'll be encouraging to you. Thank you for joining us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting that the message was a blessing to you, and that you'll join Pastor Jeff Shreve tomorrow for the next lesson in this new series, Beyond Amazing, Understanding the Grace of God. The message is called In the Classroom with Grace. That's Wednesday, right here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.